Get ready, America. This is Declaring Liberty. Alright, welcome my friends. This is Declaring Liberty. I'm your host, Mark Pantano. And today, well, I don't have a lot of time today. I'll just put that right up front. I wasn't even planning on doing a podcast, but I figured I really need to give you my two cents about the Democrat debates, the second of which was held last night. And um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm not going to play you a bunch of clips. Um, if you've listened to Fox News at all or any of the uh, other talk shows out there, you probably heard the same clips played over and over again with basically the same takes. So I just want to give you a few of my thoughts that I haven't heard anyone else say. And uh, so I just want to put it out there. This is in no particular order. Uh, it's just going to be haphazard. And I'm probably not going to talk too much about the first debate because it's not so much in my mind anymore. And that's the thing about these debates. They don't really matter all that much other than to just leave people with an impression of these candidates. Uh, They can influence what you think of them, but what they have to say, for the most part, doesn't stay with you all that long. I mean, the first debate was just two days ago, and I already don't remember basically anything that any of these lunatics had to say. I mean, really, they all say pretty much the same thing. Uh, The only person who ever says anything different than the others is Pete Buttigieg, and that's just to remind us all that he's gay. Other than that, he's just, he's, you know, he doesn't say anything different than any of the rest. And I know his name is, how how the hell do you say his name? Buttigieg. I know it's Buttigieg, but... When I first read about this guy, I had never heard of him before, and and this was before really anyone in the mainstream press was talking about him. I I started seeing rumblings about him, but I hadn't heard his name pronounced. I had only seen it written, and I had no idea how to pronounce it. So for like a month or two, I was referring to this guy as Buttigieg, and that's how it sticks. For me, he will always be Pete Buttigieg, or uh, Bishop Pete. Or perhaps Reverend Pete. Or Pete the Pious. And uh, the reason for that is because, you know, he is... He, I don't even think he wants to be president. He wants to be the moralizer-in-chief. He's constantly Bible-thumping at us. You know, you know he'll, he'll select a verse from the Bible and then just use it in order to brand all conservatives hypocrites. And I've got one clip today. It's the only clip I'm going to play. And I'm... Sh- well, anyways, let me, just, let me just play it. This is Reverend Pete lecturing us uh, and calling us uh, phony Christians or whatever the hell he says because we don't support a $15 minimum wage. Here, give a listen to Reverend Pete. The minimum wage is just too low. And so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker. Mayor, thank you very much. Yay, Reverend Pete. So, yeah, we're um, 
so-called Christians because we don't believe in forcing employers to pay their employees some arbitrary minimum wage that some Democrat hack politicians made up in Washington in order to pander to voters. Okay, that makes us uh, phony Christians, I guess. But this, this is one of the things that is so off-putting about Bishop Pete. And I really, when he first started uh, gaining some traction inside the Democrat Party, I thought that the guy might be formidable. Now, he's what, like 27 years old? No, I know, he's like 37. He looks like he's about 13 and a half. But so I know he is young and he's only a mayor and those things alone should basically disqualify him for serious consideration for president. I mean, he's just some hack mayor of some you know, moderate sized town in the Midwest. How the hell is he qualified to be president? I mean, it's ridiculous. But, you know, it's identity politics. So his sexual orientation propelled him into serious consideration inside the Democrat Party. And I really thought that he might be formidable because he's obviously not a stupid guy. He speaks well. And for a while there, he, he sounded as if he was going to bridge the, cap, the gap between trying to sound moderate while being a radical leftist so that, so that he'd be able to maneuver in the way you would need to in order to both win the Democrat primary and then have a serious shot at winning the general election. Because you have to be a radical nut in order to win the Democrat primary because that's who votes in the Democrat primaries, radical nuts. But you can't win the general election by being a radical nut. So you're gonna have to moderate your views and, and at least speak in a way that doesn't make you sound so extreme. And I thought that Pete Buttepuke was actually sounding like he might be able to pull that off. But uh, no, no longer do I think that. He, he, just, um, he just can't keep a lid on his extremism. He's also very condescending and preaching and the moralizing, and this is an example of that. The man obviously has a serious chip on his shoulder about Christianity. He obviously hates Christians hates Christianity, while he quotes Bible verses at us. And, and, you know, I don't know where that comes from. I'm not going to psychoanalyze him. Uh, the only thing, you know, that I can attribute it to, and this is just rank speculation on my part, it has to do with him being uh, gay. And, and the reason I say that is not just because he's gay, but being gay seems to be his defining characteristic. Like it's the first thing he he makes sure that he tells you about himself. For most people, their sexuality is the last thing they're going to think to tell anybody about themselves. You know? I've never walked up to anyone and said, "Hey, I'm Mark Pantano. How you doing? I like chicks." You know, but it, it, for Pete Buttigieg, it's like the first thing he told us about himself, and he's repeated it about 5,872 times at a, at least. So it's, it's, it's the defining characteristic. It's the thing that animates his life, apparently. I mean, being gay is the most important thing. It's central to his being. He wants everybody to know about it. He's up in your face with it. So it's obviously something 
that drives him. Um, it's just it's just weird. I can't relate to people like that. And you know, most gays are not like this. Certainly, conservatives are not like this. I mean, I I, I don't understand why that is so important that you shove that in everybody's face. But Pete does. And you couple that fact with the fact that he's constantly dumping on Christians. It just, you know, leads me to tie those two things together, that, that there's a connection there. Uh, one is a reason for the other. And, you know, I think it's because, you know, Christianity uh, does not condone his lifestyle or his, you know, his, his, his sexual practices. And I think that really ticks him off and he's just going to lash out. Now, I, you know, I don't care. Live your life, Pete. I, I really don't care. That's, that's something you have to deal with on your own, whether it's a problem for you or it's not a problem for you. Uh, I don't care. It's not my business. Um, but I don't think this helps him in terms of, uh, being elected president. I don't think being the moralizer in chief, being this hypocritical Christian bashing douchebag is going to really help him because he's so obviously hypocritical about it. Either you're going to be a Bible thumper and at least try not to be a hypocrite. I mean, we all fall short, obviously, but he's so, he's so glaringly hypocritical uh, about Christianity because he claims to be a Christian and he claims to, you know, um, you know, he throws Bible verses at us, yet he advocates murdering babies right up and until the moment of birth. Yet he calls us so-called Christians because we don't agree with some arbitrary number to impose on employers as a minimum wage they must pay employees. I mean, they're not slaves. We're not forcing these people to work for employers. It's a you know, it's a, it's a voluntary agreement between an employer and an employee. If you don't like what the employer's offering, then go look for a different job. And if enough people didn't take those jobs for whatever pay, uh, then employers would have to increase what they were paying employees in order to attract... It's, it's basic economics. It's basic economics. But the point is, you're a phony Christian if you don't agree with jacking up the minimum wage to whatever Pete Buttigieg says it should be. But advocating for the murder of children, for murder of babies, for the personal convenience of the mother, right up and including at the moment of birth and even after, if the, if the baby is born alive as a result of a botched abortion, you know, Pete Buttigieg thinks that it should be legal for the baby to be killed because it was never intended by the mother for that baby to be born. But that's, that's, that's perfectly consistent with Christianity and Pete Buttigieg's world. I really can't stand this guy. He and Julian Castro are the two that I cannot stand the most. I mean, they're all detestable. They, you know, but there's level of disgust you have with each of these candidates. And for me, uh, Pete Buttigieg and Julian Castro are two of the most insufferable to me. Now, okay, so that's enough about uh, Bishop Pete. Who else we got? Kamala Harris. Is it Kamala? Kam I don't know. It's Kamala to me. Kamala Harris 
Um, she did not do well. Her whole presentation to me was incredibly off-putting. It seems as if, you know, after watching that debate, I'm left with the distinct impression that this woman is making it her mission in life to be less likable than Hillary Clinton. And she is the only person who is coming close to pulling that off. And that's that's no easy feat because Hillary Clinton is one of the most unlikable persons ever to walk the planet. Just, you can't take that woman. You just look at her and you're like, oh God, I just can't. But Kamala Harris, she's nipping at her heels because that performance last night was so off-putting. I don't think, I, it doesn't matter what she said and frankly, I don't remember what she said. You, you're, like I said, you're left with impressions and the impression I was left with is that this is one nasty bitch. That was the impression I was left with. Now, I will add the caveat that I'm not an insane Democrat. So, I don't know how, you know, Bishop Pete or Kamala Harris or any of these others come across to these insane lunatics. I can't relate to these people. I can't get inside their heads. So, I really don't know how these candidates are perceived by them. Which, and I told you this was going to be haphazard. I was going to be jumping all over the place. That leads me to... Something else that's on my mind. I open up the Drudge Report this morning. I go to Breitbart, and and both of them are declaring that Tulsi Gabbard was the big winner. Drudge had one of his instant polls up on his website, and Tulsi Gabbard was the winner. And I think she won the first time Drudge did it as well, the last time they debated. Um, and Breitbart was writing that um, Tulsi Gabbard was the most searched candidate on Google following the, the debate and all this. And uh, I want you, I want to caution you. Who reads, you know, this is Drudge and Breitbart. Okay. A lot of conservatives are reading Drudge and Breitbart. And just because a lot of conservatives thought that Tulsi Gabbard won the debate, that's irrelevant. Because what we think is irrelevant. We're not voting on the nomination for these people. The real question is what did these Democrats think? And I think if you polled them, you'd have a different outcome. Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, I could be wrong, but Tulsi Gabbard is not going to get the nomination. She's not going anywhere inside the Democrat Party. She is she comes across as as too moderate, too rational on some issues too serious. She's not a flamethrower. She's not a nasty person. She's not just attacking people and calling people racist. She seems like she is serious. She, she has serious positions on these issues. And that doesn't play well in the Democrat Party. At least I don't think so. Maybe, maybe with a small subset. But I don't think you're going to win over this incre incredibly insane Democrat base by talking like that. And as I said, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think so. I don't, I really don't think so. And, but here's the other thing about Tulsi. I see, I see a lot of conservatives and Republicans, uh, you know, impressed with her, really complimentary of her. And there, there are things to be complimentary of her about, like I just listed some of them. But they, they say that 
you know, Tulsi, oh, she's a sane one. I've even seen a lot of people say, say that out of all the Democrats, I could vote for her. Then you're not listening to everything else she says. First of all, you're being, you're being swayed by her demeanor. She seems like a nice person. She seems like a serious person, all that. Um, and, and she's good on a couple of issues. She sounds reasonable on a couple of issues. But you forget the fact, or you're completely missing it when she talks about other issues, because she is lockstep left-wing radical on almost all the big issues inside the Democrat Party. She wants the federal government to completely take over health care. Okay, she, want, she wants free college for everybody. However, I will say to her credit, she doesn't want free college for illegal aliens. But still, is, is that... Because she doesn't go that incra crazy left that she is now rational and we can vote for her. She still wants to give free college to everyone in the country. Uh, that's insane. A couple of years ago, everyone in the world, everyone in the country, except a small subset of nutballs, would have said that this was insane. Barack Obama would never say such a thing during his presidency. I'm sure he would say it now. But we have, this Democrat Party has gone so left, so fast, that now, well, yeah, free college for everybody paid by the American taxpayers, that's reasonable. But if you give it to illegal aliens, that's just a bridge too far. Look at how much we accept now. Now, you and I don't accept that, but we think it's, you know, reasonable. Now, it's not reasonable. And taking over the entire healthcare system and having some form of a single-payer payer healthcare system is not reasonable either. But Tulsi Gabbard is all for this stuff. She is a radical on almost all the major issues except foreign policy stuff. And her demeanor is not radical. But her poly, policy positions are radical. Okay, now... Let's go to Joe Biden real quick. And the reason I want to go to Joe Biden is because there's a tie-in with Tulsi Gabbard. And if I get to circle back and make the tie-in, you guys need to remind me. Send, like, you know, brainwaves out to me. Of course, it would be after I recorded this, so it would have to be retroactively. So I don't know how you're going to pull it off. But somehow, if you're listening to this and I don't circle back, Somehow make it such that you can send me these brain impulses that I go back in time and, and fix it and circle back. I don't know how it'll work, but anyways. Okay, so Joe Biden. Not another great night, better than the first night. But, eh, you know, he's showing his age. He's showing his mileage. He had a lot of brain freezes during that debate. He bumbled a few times. It wasn't a good look. However, I think this was a win for Joe Biden. He might not have been the walkaway winner of the debate, but I think in terms of what he needs to do, this was a win. Because they were all, all the other candidates were going to come after him, which they did. And I think he actually acquitted himself very well against most of them. And I think the overall impression was everyone's ganging up on Joe and Joe handled himself fairly well and Joe comes across as more reasonable and moderate now to the rabid leftists in his party they don't want that however 
I don't think crazy, crazy radical left of the uh, Estupida Cortez variety is completely in control of the Democrat nominating base as of yet. I think for most of them, their primary concern is with beating Donald Trump. And I think that they are going, there's a probably a majority of people inside the Democrat Party. I got, you know, I'm guessing. Now, they're, they're all radical. Not, most of them are radicals. Even the ones who are being pragmatic are still radicals. And I think they would rather, if they had, if they could just wave a magic wand, they would put Kamala Harris or, or Bernie or Elizabeth Warren into the presidency. I think that's what they would really like. But I think that so much do they hate Donald Trump that they are, are tending to be a little bit more pragmatic. They are looking for someone that they think has the best shot to beat Trump. And I think that's the main reason why Biden has been leading in the polls. And after the last debate, his poll numbers dropped, but then they've been increasing again. And so he, he is up to having a, a fairly comfortable lead over the rest of the field. And I think for Democrat voters whose primary concern is defeating Trump, I think Biden got himself a win last night because he sounded reasonable. He sounded more moderate, yet still extremely leftist. And I think that will appeal to a lot of people who want to beat Trump. I could be wrong, but that's that's the impression that I got. And if this current crop of candidates is all that there's going to be, and who knows, but if this is the, the slate of candidates we have to choose from, I think Biden, if he may very well be able to, to pull this off, if he doesn't commit too many acts of Biden. You know, Biden is notorious for saying stupid ass things uh, because he's an idiot, quite frankly, so he, he kind of can't help it. But if his staff can keep him on a short leash and keep his public statements to a minimum and he can continue to seem like the uh, the adult in the room while also saying most of the right extremist things, I think he could potentially hold off and get this nomination. And you know, I don't know how that would how he would match up against Trump. I think he he could be a formidable candidate because especially look, Trump needs the states that he won before. He cannot lose very many many of them. And if Biden were to be the nominee, Trump is going to have an extremely difficult time hanging on to Pennsylvania. He's going to have an extremely difficult time anyway. But if Biden is, is the nominee from Scranton, he's going to have a, a tough time. All the polls that I've seen in Pennsylvania are very favorable to Biden. Okay, so now my, my uh, circle back to the Tulsi Gabbard connection. And thank you all for sending me those brainwaves or whatever it is that you did, because obviously it worked. And if you hadn't retroactively done that and sent those things back through time to get me to change my mind, I, I obviously would have forgotten to do this. So thank you. Now, my, my tie back to Tulsi is this. I do not think Tulsi Gabbard is going to be the Democrat nominee. However, if Joe Biden is the nominee which could very well happen. Um, I think 
his best running mate would be Tulsi Gabbard. I think if you put those two together on a ticket, I think that would be very formidable. And um, I did I did notice that Tulsi Gabbard came to Joe Biden's defense at one point. I forget what it was, but she was uh, she wasn't involved in the piling on of Joe Biden, and she actually came to his defense. And I think the the reasons I gave you why Tulsi Gabbard I don't think is going to get the Democrat nomination, many of those reasons are what would make her such a great running mate. Because she she is she seems very likable. She seems very serious. She seems fair. She's not a bomb thrower. She seems like a respectable person. And look what she's done to, to Republicans. I mean, a lot of Republicans view her very favorably. And that is what would make her a very smart choice for Joe Biden or really anyone who gets the Democrat nomination. I think Tulsi Gabbard would be a really formidable uh, candidate to put on the ticket. Oh, another thing, because it comes to my mind, the other thing about her is she's very attractive she's a she's a pretty woman and i think that's the other thing to keep to keep in mind going back to the breitbart stories and the drudge report uh, links about how there's all this interest in tulsi gabbard following the debate one as i said you know saying that tulsi gabbard won the debate and you're, you're taking a poll of drudge and Breitbart, I mean, those are a lot of conservatives. So you know, no shocker there. Republicans are favorably, 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 let me try that again, favorably disposed to her for the reasons I listed. Uh, but, but in terms of Google searches, how many people searched her up on Google just because they wanted to, you know, maybe find pictures of her? Ooh, who's, who's this hot chick? Come on. There was a lot of that going on. I, I guarantee it. It's the internet. Uh, she's far and away the best-looking candidate of all of those up on stage. And uh, so I bet a lot of that search traffic was just people thinking she's hot and wanted to find some pictures of her. So anyway, that's just an aside. So back to Joe Biden and Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, I think that would be a seriously formidable ticket. And Republicans should be worried about Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden is a walking, talking buffoon. He's one of the dumbest people up there. That being said, he's been in politics a hell of a long time. And, you know, if he gets his nap and his warm milk before each debate, yeah, he might do okay. He might do okay. He knows not to say things that are too stupid. I mean, he, he is being smart and not going so far radical because he knows going radical is not, it may get you the nomination, but it's not going to, win you the White House. You can't be a radical leftist and then prevail in the general election. Joe Biden is smart enough to know that, as stupid as he is. But none of the others appear to be. And he's avoiding the temptation of sounding like a radical. Now, he's saying a lot of radical things, but not in such a way as to come off like a nutcase like the rest of them are. So, Biden, as stupid as he is, as gaff-prone as he is, uh, as old and frail as he appears, I still think could be a formidable candidate. If he wins the nomination and he selects Tulsi Gabbard, I'm telling you, the Trump team should be worried.
The Trump team, if I'm going to be honest, should be worried anyway. I know it's very popular on our side to say that you know, Trump is a lock for re-election. I don't buy it for a second. I think Trump is one of the most vulnerable incumbent presidents up for re-election that I've seen in my lifetime. I think he's exceedingly vulnerable. He won by a very small margin. The, the Electoral College victory was bigger than, than um, the closeness of the race really was. It was much closer race than the Electoral College indicates. As I've told you before, the three states that really sealed the deal for him uh, were flips from, from having voted for Democrats for 20 years. Wisconsin, Mich Michigan, and Pennsylvania. He won all three of those by less than a percentage point. It is no lock that those that those uh, states will remain in his column next time. So I think there, plus the shifts that just have happened over the last four years, a lot of these a lot of states have have moved further left, um, and who knows where they're going to come out this time? You know, we have four more years of our education system producing new voters who are going to be voting for the first time in 2020. And they've been indoctrinated their whole life, and now they're going to vote. How, how many of, there's going to be, a, that's a net gain. Among young people, that's a net gain. How many more of those? How many more children of illegal aliens who have been here for their whole lives? How many more, they're American citizens. If they were born here to Ill, illegal aliens, um, they're American citizens. How many of them are turning 18? or will have turned 18 since the last election, who are going to be voting now? Especially in places like Arizona, Texas. You know, and I've said it before, say it again, Texas is way closer than people on our side will admit. So I don't think it's a lock. And I, I think that a Biden-Gabbard ticket would be extremely formidable. And the Trump team should be worried about it. Now, I'm almost out of time. Who else do I have here? Who do I want to pick? Uh, just quick... Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, this woman, she does no favors to women. She feeds in to the worst stereotypes about women. First of all, she she feeds the stereotype of the dumb blonde because you can't get any more blonde than her and you really can't get a whole lot more stupid than she is. So she is the dumb blonde cliche personified. But on top of that, she's also like borderline hysterical all the time. Have you ever noticed that? She's just, <laughs> she's always like this. Every answer, she gets all hopped up. And <laughs> she's like always hysterical. That's the other thing that, that gets said about women all the time. Um, that all women get lumped in with this, this stereotype that they're overly emotional. Well, you know, a, a lot of women work hard to not be seen that way. And then Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand, whatever the hell her name is, she comes in and she just, you know, sets them all back because she's a dumb blonde who gets overly emotional all the time. So that's my Kirsten Gillibrand thing. What else do I got? Nah, I, I, I really got to wrap this up. So the final thing, oh, Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> uh, every time I see Amy Klobuchar, she reminds me of like... Uh, a substitute teacher that everybody hated. That's what she looks like to me. She's like the embodiment. She's the personification of every substitute teacher that you've ever had that just you hated. The bitchy sub. That's that's Amy Klobuchar. Now, the final thing I want to say 
is the takeaway from these two debates is that this slate of candidates um, sucks. This is one of the least impressive roster of presidential candidates I've ever seen. It may be the most unimpressive slate of presidential candidates uh, in American history. This is a seriously unimpressive group of people. And I think you are going to start hearing more and more rumbling on the left. Maybe the talking heads on TV will start talking talking this way. But I think a lot of people are going to start saying, we need somebody else. None of these people are any good. And we're getting late in the game. Uh, so the later we get, the more they're going to need like some big-name person who can jump in and immediately be like the savior. And so I think more and more you are going to start hearing people try to draft Michelle Obama into this race. Because there's few people out there with the, you know, the, the credibility on the left. And the fact that she was first lady, the fact that she was uh, you know, Barack Obama's wife, it gives her a level of seriousness. But she is still she she has a a foot firmly in the radical camp. And so I think she she would appeal to pretty much everyone inside the Democrat party. And I, so I think there is going to be a movement people are going to start talking about looking for someone and I think they're going to start turning to Michelle Obama because this is such a, a crappy group of candidates and you got to realize this if you're a Democrat and you want to beat Donald Trump you got to realize that these people are pathetic and so you're desperate to get rid of Trump and you don't see any of these guys being able to pull it off or you're worried about it at least so I, I, I think you got to admit to yourself, if you're a Democrat, these people suck. Man, we got to find somebody else. So look for that talk to start picking up. So that's going to do it for me. Listen, uh, go to Mark Pantano and DeclaringLiberty.com. You could sign up for free to those websites by email. And that way, anytime I post to those websites, you will get an email. You can opt out of it at any time if you find it to be annoying. But I don't spam you. You're only I'm, I'm you're only going to get stuff when I post to my to my websites. That's it. And I don't do anything with your with your email addresses, so don't worry about it. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast Declaring Liberty, do so on your favorite podcasting app, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn. There's a bunch of them. Um, subscribe and leave a positive review. Also, if you don't follow me on Twitter and Facebook, please do. Um, a lot of people don't know that I'm on, on Facebook. A lot of people follow me on Twitter but don't know that I'm all over there as well. So follow me on Facebook. And pro tip over there on Facebook, follow and like the page. Because Facebook, I, I don't know what's going on over there, but unless you follow and like the page, there's a good chance you might not see me showing up in your feed. So do that. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it, because it does.